Now, we talked about the word thanksgiving uh, for just a minute on Tuesday night for the few of the, uh, you that were there. I want to take that whole chapter. In Ephesians chapter 5, I'd like to read the whole chapter to you, but I have the preacher's disease where I have to expound on every verse, so I'm skipping some verses for your benefit. Okay, So you can have lunch today before 2 o'clock. So I'm going to streamline this thing, and I'll start in verse 1. Here is a command from heaven for us. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Say those three words with me and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering. Say those two words, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. God is telling us you need to be like Jesus. You need to walk in love, and to the world around us, you and I, we need to be a fragrant offering. Now, today I want to give you three simple observations from Ephesians 5, and here's the first one. Christians should smell good. Yes, they should smell good. If you came with the person sitting next to you, smell them. Just lean over and go, do they smell good? They should smell good. And I don't just mean like they should bathe and smell. I don't just mean that. The Bible says that when you genuinely worship God, it's a fragrant aroma in the nostrils of God. Did you know that? That God smells your worship before he hears your worship. You can sound perfectly on tune but have a wrong heart, badly motivated, and it stinks to high heaven literally. But if it is from your heart, you can sound as bad as Najee sings right there. As high as he can jump, that's how low he sings, y'all. It's bad. But man, in his heart, he means it. And it just, God goes, that's awesome. And you know what? Your attitude, this doesn't offend him. You got to go way harder than that to offend this guy. Trust me. Don't feel sorry for this guy. No, your attitude does the same thing in the world around us. Remember, you're supposed to walk in love and it will be a fragrant offering to the people around you. So let me ask you this. Do you smell good or smell bad when you talk, when you enter the scene? Do people like it? Because it goes one of two ways. They either go, oh, Mary's in the room. She smells good, not physically, but spiritually and socially and relationally. People are glad she's, if it's an argument, she she brings it down. If if there's an idea, she brings the best. She just is a fragrant offering, or is it like this when you enter the room, no matter how bad it gets, they go, Mary's here. It just stinks when you enter the room. If it's this bad, you're going to raise it to a worse level. It just gets that much worse no matter what. The Bible says Christians ought to raise the level, and it goes on and it says this, verse 4, and I'm skipping a lot. Read it for yourself, but I want to go to verse 4. There are three Greek words I want to teach you in verse 4. Let there be no filthiness. Or silly talk or levity, which are not fitting. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Now, as I was studying this, I had a couple hours with Pastor Tom. We did some, uh, just some theological study together. It was kind of neat uh, because he doesn't live in our town, and it was good to have that opportunity. I got into this word, let there be no filthiness or silly talk. And the Greek word for that's translated silly talk is this word moro, and I'm going to break it up for you, logia. It's two words, two Greek words. And you really, when you look at this stuff, you can do a quick Google search and find this stuff out for you. You don't have to go to seminary for this. But you can just read it and see what's going on here. Can't you see the word logic in this? Or how we think, how we think and talk? 
is, is, is what logia means. And I'm going to do a quick Greek test here. Having not taken Greek, you can probably tell me what moro means. Come on, somebody just guess. Can't you see moron in there? Look at all these Greek scholars in here. Absolutely. He says, when you enter the room, cut out all the moronic thinking and talking. You ought to be. See, when you come in and act like a moron, people go, there he comes again. God says, let there be no filthiness or silly talk. And so what I did is I was studying uh, verse 4. I just added from the Jerry standard version one more word to the scripture. On Facebook, let there be no filthy or silly talk. On Twitter or Instagram or on Snapchat, leave the morologia out. Can I hear an amen to that Bible verse? When you enter the social media realm, leave the morologia out. We don't need any more moronic thinking or talking. How many of you think we've got plenty of that? Can I hear an amen? Christians don't need to add to that. And I was getting excited about it, already thinking about how I was going to preach it to you all. I took the next verse, or the next word, nor levity, and I looked that up. And that word levity is from a Greek word, eutrapalia. Eutrapalia. And that word literally means a witty, well-turned repartee or sarcasm. Now, see, my spiritual gift is sarcasm. How many of you know, how many of you are really good at it? Come on, raise your hand. Have you ever wondered, like, God, why did you make me so good at this if this is wrong? And, and it really works well in the social media world when somebody's been a morologia for me to raise in some eutropalia. <laughs> Man, right there, that means sarcasm or a well-turned phrase whatever, I spelled it wrong. I mean, that's my moment. Right when somebody's been morologia, I want to be eutropalia. And man, just a boot kick to the throat, you know, spiritually speaking. You know. And the Lord says, no, leave all that out. They aren't, look back to verse four, because they're not fitting. But instead, everybody say instead, let there be thanksgiving. Say it church, let there be Thanksgiving, and that's the word that really speaks today. Um, it is the Greek word you, it's three words put together, charistia, eucharistia, and the word I want you to see right there in the middle, the word charis means grace. Grace. Right in the middle of any moment where you offer thanks, you are extending grace. Everybody shout, grace. We don't usually shout grace. We say grace. Because we have ruined, the American church has ruined the biblical word grace. We think it means a sweet prayer over Thanksgiving's lunch. Let's have grace. That's not what grace is. Listen to me very carefully. Grace is a violent powerful, aggressive, supernatural force from heaven into your life and circumstances. 
Grace is what heals sick people. Grace is what breaks the addictions off of people who have been broken by their effect for generations. Grace is what lifts you up out of unforgiveness and bitterness. When you want to give up and something tells you to go on, it's the grace of God. When you've been an addict because your dad was an addict and your grandfather was an addict and something inside of you convinced you, you can't break free from that, but somehow you do. It's the grace of God. And so when I look over you and I say, I am thankful for you. You're a godly person. You matter. You're going somewhere. It's not just nice words. I have spoken grace over you and it empowers you to be what I just said you could be. Somebody say, I received that right now and give him praise for it. That's why as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm not like some just goof off joker typing in silly junk on Facebook and neither are you. I don't, we don't need another moralogia person saying moronic stuff and another eutropalia sarcastic comment. We need somebody who has what you have and few others have. You have the ability to release grace, not only in social media, but in, in conversations and social connections, wherever and however it happens. That's who we are. That's what we're called to be. And so, uh, so, so here's my second observation. Number two, Thanksgiving is never offered without the release of grace. Every time you are thankful for somebody, right in the middle of it, grace is released. And see, here's the why of, of how we're supposed to be. Verse 8 starts telling us why we're that. We're supposed to be grace releasers. For once you were darkness, but now you are light. Did you notice it didn't say once you were in darkness? It said you were darkness. Now, give me a nice little quiet, serene amen if you can agree that you once were darkness. Amen. Nice little calm amen. That's okay. But now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. That word light, if you dig in around into that, it literally means miraculous light, power to change circumstances. Therefore, it is said, awake, O sleeper. And arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, and making the most of the time because the days are evil. Making the most of the time. Now, you know, the truth is right now that they have declared liquor stores essential, but churches non-essential. And we all hated that. We don't agree with that. We didn't like that. And maybe you got on social media and told everybody what you thought about that. But let me ask you, have we sometimes treated church as non-essential ourselves? Thank you for a couple of little Presbyterian amens. I like that. It occurs to me in a church like ours, like when you say uh, good things about the grace of God, we get a big Pentecostal amen. But when you step on people's toes, you get a nice little Presbyterian amen. I'll take whichever one you want to give me, guys. I'll take them all. You know, we are essential. What we do is essential. And the scripture says what it says because it meant it for days like this. It says we have to make the most of this time because the days are evil. See, what people have said is, you know what? Religion's fine. It's a good thing to have. But right now, there's more important things. Right now, we've got to be doing other things. Right now, government's got to function. Right now, we've got to figure out a vaccine. Right now, we've got to you know, make sure people can get to work. Right now, we've got to do school. We've got to figure out all that stuff, the, the mask and the information about that. And the, there's politics going on, and there's an election. Right now, we've got to all... And really what we're saying is these are the most evil days of our lives, and God meant days like this when he said words like that. 
He said, make the most of these days because these days are evil. It's almost like our culture has said, because these days are so jacked up, we're going to put church on the back shelf and we'll bring out our relationship with God when there's a better time. And God is saying in his word 2,000 years before 2020 ever happened that there is never a more important time to have God at the center of your life than the most evil and worst days of your life. This is a time to bring God into the circumstance. And so he goes on. He says, Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's no time to do what everybody else is doing, to be distracted and adding to the ongoing useless dialogue. But understand what God's will is and address one another. Do what we're doing today in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Gather together, build small groups, get connections, pray over people, do what is spiritual, what is unseen with the eyes, but more powerful in the heart. And always, verse 20, and for everything, giving, say it, church, thanks. Eucharistia, releasing grace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. Listen to me. There's never been a more important time to do what we're doing right now than right now. Giving grace. You know, you can't find the word thanks without the word giving attached to it. Can't, that means you can't just say it, you have to do it. It's either giving thanks or thanksgiving. And in fact, there's only one other word that is attached to giving in all of Scripture. And it's the word for. Forgiving and thanksgiving are both uh, moments that release grace. So write this down. Here's my third and final observation. Our world needs grace now more than ever before. Can I hear an amen to that? Right now. This is not a time to say, well, you know what? I'll go on a mission trip later. No, you need to go right now. You know, I'll be a giver later. No, you need to give right now. I'll serve later. No, serve now. We'll worship later. No, worship now. Right now, your family needs more grace. Right now, do you know there are more people right now being abused? Child abuse cases are through the roof. Sexual molestation of children is at an all-time high right now. That's the kind of stuff that's hidden. And you know what? Mandatory reporters have been pushed to the side in many cases. And so the reporting is down, but the cases are up. Go home and think about how that could happen. It's very clear to me why that's, why that's happening. And so it's in the darkness. It's hidden. And as a person who has tried to help people out of darkness for my whole life, I'm telling you, there are decades of generational curses to be broken because of what's happened in the last year. More people have been injured in ways that they'll fight their way out of than probably ever any other year you've ever lived in. Some of you in this room might know it all too per personally. That's why we need more grace. I read to you last week from a Barna report that 23% of churches in America will close because of the pandemic closing permanently. I want to remind you in faith, Daystar Church will never close until the second coming of Jesus Christ. I know it, I know it, I know it. We're going to expand our church. We're going to reach more people. We're going to plant new churches. We're going to have more campuses. In fact, it's never been more clear why we're taking our church from a moment to a movement. Can I hear an amen? amen. One thing that I've seen through the history of Daystar is we've always been about real love now. We've always been about real people seeking a real God through real worship. And we love people where they're at. We don't wait until they get to a certain point. 
We love them where they're at right now. So throughout this, we've seen our campus grow in huge ways, but we're hitting a point where we need more space for people to be able to connect. Uh, we've always said this, that life change doesn't happen in rows, it happens in circles. And if you look at the structure of our building, all the doors are built for people to just go out. Uh, once a service is done, you walk out of the auditorium, go out of the front doors, and you're in the parking lot, which just says, hey, go ahead and go home. Well, we don't want people to do that. I'm so excited about the Move Journey opening up more opportunities for stories of life change, like uh, one guy I'm thinking of, that's one probably my favorite story, that he was a former atheist, and his friend um, went to Daystar Church and said, you need to come with me to this church. And his wife had been secretly praying that they would get into church and that they would go and be, develop a life inside church. They knew, She knew that their family needed to be there. And so she she just encouraged him and they went to Daystar Church. Now he was an atheist when he walked in the doors. And the, the reason why I love this story is because he got so frustrated with Daystar Church. He was so annoyed because he did not want to return back to church, but found himself over and over again, looking forward to being in that building every Sunday. And so what's so cool about it is he, he committed his life to Jesus Christ. He got saved. And I, I have a background where I, I was far from God like that too. I didn't even know if he existed. And so to see that life change happen into somebody is cool. But then to watch God do what only God can do. Not only did he get saved, but he started serving. He's leading kids to Christ now. And he and his wife serve in Daystar Kids and his son serves in Daystar Kids. And this is what's cool. It's all, This only happens at Daystar. Um, his ex-wife, is now also coming to the church because she saw the life change in him and said, I, I got to see what's happened. And so now their family comes and the, both families are able to worship God in the same building. And I think as we're expanding, there's going to be more stories like that. This is the reason why we've got to get more room in that, in that place so that we can have more life change just like that. The biggest thing about Daystar is that we do what we say we're going to do. We say that we're all about community transformation through the love and power of Jesus. And we are out in the community. Even though we don't have a building yet, man, we are, this last summer, we, through COVID, we fed thousands of people through the Farmers to Family. We gave hundreds of backpacks out. We went in, and met not just large numbers of people, we'd meet that that one family that needed help and provide what they needed. And and uh, just be in the hands and feet of Jesus. I couldn't be more proud of the people that, uh, that have been so committed and so faithful to work and set up church every Sunday. Not just set up church, but be welcoming to people that come in. And at Daystar Madison, we have, um, you know, on a given Sunday, um, maybe 150 people, but 80% of those people serve. 75% of those people are in small groups. So they are so committed to one another. They're so committed to the gospel and they're so committed to seeing our city changed. And they believe in it. They're giving towards it. We're seeing incredible generosity from our people towards this move campaign. And uh, I just believe that God's preparing a foundation with this core group of people and they're gonna see the blessing. They're gonna see the move of God that, that they, I can't even imagine. I just got um, goosebumps every time I think about what God's gonna do no, one thing is we're working on the lobby. I think about so many life change experiences that have taken place in our lobby. Um, I'm reminded of one young lady that she came up alone. She was in high school, came up for 21 days of prayer. And she was just sort of finding her way around. And Pastor Jerry actually called her and said, hey, uh, would you like to pray this morning at 21 days of prayer? And the girl, she was so nervous, but she said, yes, sure, I'll go ahead and do it. After that day, she had a God moment and she realized this is what she was born for. 
And as a matter of fact, that young lady today is on staff here at Daystar Church in Good Hope. And that just shows me the life change that can happen uh, with more room in the lobby, more space in the parking lot for us to be able to catch people, have that moment and invest in their potential. I cannot wait for this new chapter uh, of Daystar Heart Soul because we're transforming our existing building into Daystar Kids. Uh, if you can think of where we are right now, that's becoming our kids' facility, and we are moving dirt and building a building that is not gonna be like anything you've ever seen before. It's gonna look and feel like Daystar Church looks and feels. We're gonna, it's gonna be a big open lobby where interactions and connections can take place. We're gonna have an auditorium that can finally fit us, uh, uh, hashtag 11:15 service. So we're gonna have a, a space where, as Pastor Jerry says, people are, can come to meet with God. It's not just a building. It's, it's, a, it's gonna be beautiful, it's gonna be big, and I'm excited about that, but it's gonna give us the opportunity to continue to expand these stories over and again. So you know, when we are giving towards this MOVE campaign, towards what we're doing at Daystar, it is so much more than buildings. And, and you know that, but I wanna remind you that this is all about the lives that are gonna be changed. I see all those people moving in, I see those thousands of houses coming in, and every one of those houses represents a family. And in every one of those families, there's brokenness, there's need, there's, there's um, things, desires, and, and dreams. And Daystar, we're building a campus that's gonna help people be healed, be set free, and fulfill their dreams. Begin to grow to be the mighty men and women of God, to be the families of God that can begin to transform lives, transform um, communities, and really see the, the kingdom of God expand in North Alabama. Hey, let me tell you this in closing. You can't have a testimony without a test. It's not possible. Everybody here that's got a testimony, you've been through some stuff to get you to where you are. And I was thinking about the testimony of our church. You know, uh, when I came to Coleman, I didn't in intend to live my, spend my life here. I'm not from Coleman. I didn't intend to spend the rest of my life here. I had my next appointment already set where I was going to go. But God started building a testimony. And the stories I could, if, I mean, I could sit down with you over coffee and talk your ears off about stories of, of people's lives that have changed in miracles and just outright blessings God's given us. And we're already starting to see them with this next chapter. Um, I wrote a few of them down. We just saved $120,000 because a member of the Madison campus changed jobs and it put him in a place of influence. And... Uh, Long story short, in the new building that we're, we're doing site work, he saved us $120,000. We just got 130 free loads of dirt to the Madison new building. Uh, it saved us $40,000 because somebody at the Good Hope campus knew somebody in Huntsville. And, and this stuff goes on and on and on. Last week, somebody who used to go to our church and moved away uh, made a donation to the Hartzell campus for $60,000 for the move journey. Come on, y'all, when you need $5 million, that goes a long way right there. I'm telling you, God's on our side. And he does stuff that we just can't do. When you look around, and maybe that number, 60, you're like, wow, why do I even give it all? I can't give 60. Most people can't. Most people give uh, what they can, a, a much, much smaller amount. And we're, we're $1.7 million so far during a pandemic race toward this $5 million goal. And you know what? Generous, regular folks like you and me have done their part. And little by little, I think God's on our side. I want to tell you, though, there is no testimony without a test. If you try to do something for God, you'll be tested. 
I saw this again, and I've, I could tell you many stories. I saw this again just recently. A business owner in our church was doing some free work for another person in our church. Just wanted to bless them. We also had some guys that were struggling with drug addiction, trying to get back in the workforce. He decided to hire those two guys and, and, and let them help. And he paid them while he was doing free work for somebody else. Well, one of those two guys stole his checkbook and wrote a bunch of bad checks. The other one stole his work truck. And could be very easily said, well, no good deed goes unpunished. I, that's what happens when you try to do something for somebody. But the next week, the guy shows back up here at Daystar and he's doing free work for the church again. Because here's the truth. You don't get a testimony without going through some tests. I got another friend who's been real generous to our church. And he told me years ago, maybe you heard me tell this before. He said, you know, Jerry, he doesn't live in our part of the state at all. He says, you know, Jerry, every time I give to your church and do something significant, something terrible happens at my business. And I thought, this sounds like a breakup story. <laughs> you know, I felt, he's going to tell me, you know, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> he said, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get my checkbook out and write y'all another check. Because I've learned this about a bully. If a bully can back you down from this place, he'll just keep backing you all the way down until he has you in a hole. And I'm not going to be bullied by the devil. Man, I said, bring that checkbook on. Let's get that devil. Come on. Here's the truth. You don't get a testimony without going through a test. Now, everybody in this room who's ever tried to step up for God in any way, share your faith, make a, a donation, give a gift, go on a mission, you serve in some way. You ever tried to do something for God and you got your nose bloodied for it? Come on, raise your hand. Just as a testimony. Yeah. Because you don't get a testimony without a test. You just have to make up your mind. I'm not put on this earth to back away. And here's what I want you to know. The next time you get, I feel like it's like whack-a-mole sometimes. You ever been to the arcade and whoever raised their hand, oh, I love Jesus, whack, you know. It's like whack-a-mole. Let me tell you why the devil does that. Listen carefully. The devil fights what he fears. He's afraid of you living unhinged, unafraid stepping out on faith like Peter walking on water. And I think this is true. I've seen it in my own life. As long as you want to walk in fear and make little small steps and do what you can do, God will let you do what you can do. But the moment you say, you know what? I don't even know what's on the other side of this step. God says, I'll meet you right there. When you try to do the miraculous, God shows up on your side. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's sharing your faith this week with a family member you haven't seen in a while. Maybe it's opening up a business so that God can get glory. Maybe it's giving to this journey together. Whatever it is, I want you to know when you step out with the right motives on behalf of God, God meets you. Can I hear an amen?